God. He is so good. Isn't it just special to come together with the church family and sing praises unto God and actually sing declarations also? Um, there's a connecting that takes place in the spirit between us. I was sharing yesterday, we had, and I have just a picture of, this is Jeremiah, or Jeffrey Jeremiah Dudley. We had a service for you here yesterday. Um, passed away last week. And um, there was something about Jeffrey, he never spoke a word when he was, I think it was eight months old. It's hard to even talk about it, but um, but his, his mother tried to suffocate him in a pillow, and he was dead for 15 minutes, and he was in a foster home, I think it was Gainesville or Jacksonville. You know what it was, Darlene? Was it Jacksonville, Florida? Anyway, yeah, in Florida. And then his sister, Anaya, too, who also had, she had actually, she was in a tub and she had fallen over in the tub and her mother wasn't there and, and she had drowned, but then they brought her back to, to life, but Kenton Chantel had gone down to get Renaya, no, to get Jeffrey, to bring him home and to adopt him as their little boy. And this was six years ago. But when they were there, the, the doctor that was there asked if they could come and see a little girl, the little girl as well. And they first felt, no, there's one is enough for us to, you know, they weren't experienced with someone with a trach and so, so forth, and one was going to be enough. And But they fell in love with Renaya then too, and so they ended up bringing them both back, and they were like twins. And they were in, they've been in, they were in several services with the Dudley family through the years, through those years, Renaya passed away three years ago. But there was a connecting when they were here, and I know many of you saw that. The expressions on faces, or even when you went up to them to talk to them. See, the thing is with these little children, their brains were greatly affected by what happened, but still they had a mind and they had a spirit. They are a spirit. And their spirit was not affected by that. And that's something for us all, always to remember uh, with children like that. Uh, that uh, they have, there is much of a person in they, because they have a, they're, they're a spirit being. And the Holy Spirit is within them. The same Holy Spirit we have. But there's a connecting there. There's a connecting among us as we worship and sing. 
but there was connecting with them too. And uh, an awareness, I really believe that, of, of what's happening and of God's presence. Joyce and I had seen um, Jeffrey just a few days before he passed and the peace of God was over him. His name means peace of God, Jeffrey does. But that was there. And uh, so now, them along with the Williamson, um, their, their family is their mom and wife have passed. Uh, we, we stand with you. Others have loved ones that have gone on home, we say, because we, as we talked about, death is it's a transition. It's not termination of life. It's a transition of life. But this morning, as we were praising and worshiping, there were things happening. Some of you sensed it. And this happens a, a lot during praise and worship time. It started already before, while well, we had an extent, extended time of prayer with the worship team, before we came out here, there was a sensing of the presence of God, close. He's always with us, but sometimes there's something, there's a spiritual perception that maybe you could call it connecting together that was there. But I know that what was taking place here, there was shackles coming off. As we sang the songs of praise and worship and as we sang the declaration songs, there was healing coming forth and so just receive that. As Vicki's gonna be sharing here in a moment too, more of the word for us, just receive that. A breaking off of chains, a bondage of fear also taking place as we were praising and worshiping. I, I tell you what, Anthony, let's go down to that picture I had. We're talking about kids this morning. I'm skipping my normal blessed life moment. Uh, just to let you know, we do have boxes on the back walls of the church for your to giving, your tithes and offerings. And we give them as unto the Lord. And we thank you, for it, Lord, for your blessing on all of our financial giving, but that's where they are for the giving. But uh, we have a picture here. You know, there's been a lot of talk of late about abortion and yeah, it, it's just, uh, which borders on infanticide really. But uh, this week, our, this is, a group of people led by, in the, in the front there is uh, Paul Gazalka, who many of us know if you've been here a few years because he was one of our elders here at Tent Strike. Uh, he's the Senate Majority Leader for our state of Minnesota. But he was speaking, and the, this was a stand for life of our legislators this week. But I, I wanted to put it up there and I want us to see it because uh, for us to be praying for Paul, but also others, the man in the red, I believe that's Matt Grissel. He's for 10 strike here. He's 
our representative. I'm not sure he would be for all, for all the area, but uh, so we do right now. In fact, why don't you just stand up and just reach a hand up here. Lord, we do. We, we pray for these leaders as they're, and we pray for Paul. Lord, give him strength. Give him that fortitude. Give him all he needs as he uh, is our Senate majority leader here in this state. Help him in working there as they bring legislation. But Lord, we thank you for all these people that make this stand for life. And Lord, we would stand for life also in our prayers, in our lives, and all that we do. We just take this opportunity to pray for our President of the United States, President Trump, Vice President Pence. We pray for our President as he gives the State of the Union Address this week. We just lift him before you this morning as a congregation. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. We lift up the Dudley family and the Williamson families this morning. We thank you for your hand upon them and your special grace for this time, your comfort and peace for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple announcements here. Let's see. <clears throat> there will be a meal today. Um, in our fellowship hall, we'll have sloppy joes and other things with that. Um, remember our Sunday morning activities, 9.30 in the morning we have. Wednesday night we have prayer meetings starting at 6. Come when you can. It was till usually around 7.30. If you have questions about weather type things, like last week we did call that off, just contact me and I'll let you know if, if it's on or not. See our website, our Facebook page. Like for instance, today's um, notes that Vicki has, they'll be on our Facebook page later. Uh, there will be a baby dedication on March 3 here. And uh, so if, if you have a child you would like to dedicate to the Lord, speak with me or one of the elders. And that's what we have there this morning. And Vicki? Vicki got started a couple weeks ago on a teaching, so good, so good, and she's going to do part two today, so. God bless you. Thank you, Ed. Yes. On? Yes. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> so, we're in a battle, and... Um, I shared two Sundays ago about the title of what I, my message was identifying the roars of the enemy and responding to them. And um, we are, we're, we're in a battle. And I think we've got to, you know, it's good for us to realize, but the good thing is we're on the winning side. So um, that's a very good thing. So, Lord, I just thank you this morning, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you that although we may take 
hits along the way. Um, Lord, we get up and we stand. Lord, because we're on the winning side. And we just thank you so much for that, Lord. Father, I ask this morning that you would make me your mouthpiece to share words of encouragement, Lord, that faith would arise in our heart, Lord, that we would take deep into our heart the principles of your word, Lord, and we would let them transform and change us, Father. I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So some of you asked me if I could give you a copy of some of that list of roars and responses. And so there's some copies that are out on the back, and if you need more, you could just ask. And also that list will be on the website. So um, like I said last week, we, um, well, we started identifying the roars of the enemy, which are basically his threats against us, and then ways that we should respond. And we were looking at 1 Peter 5. By the way, it's 1 Peter. Last week I had 2 Peter. That was a mistake. So it's 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. And also the account of King Hezekiah 700 years ago in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. And I decided today to actually put a subtitle on my message, um, What to Do When You Get a Bad Report. Because that's really the enemy's roars coming against us, right? So, um, in our minds, we don't often register that there is actually two reports that are before us. There's the report of the enemy and all of his threats and what we identified as roars. And then there is the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord is what is in his word that gives us a way to respond to those roars. Okay, so we've got, we've got the bad report and we've got the good report. The challenge is to get a hold of what God's word says, of what the good report is, and then hold on to that with all of our heart, no matter what the circumstances are. So let's look again at 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. We'll start off with that. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That word looking for, in the Greek, that means he's plotting against us. And so what are we to do? Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In verse 9, okay, so here we have the devil. He's prowling around looking to devour us, right? And so what are we going to do about that? Um, Verse 9 says that we resist him, standing firm in the faith. And I looked up that word resist in Greek. It's really interesting. It means to stand against or to oppose. And I was looking in the word wealth in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, um, which is the the New King James Version, and he said... They said in that Bible that that Greek verb suggests standing face to face against an adversary and standing your ground. I like that. If you could get that picture, you know, you're standing face to face with an adversary, but you are standing your ground. You are not moving. So it says, resist him standing firm in the faith. And standing firm 
means, that word means to be solid, even stiff, but to be solid and to be stable. But it gives the picture of something that's not moving, right? And so we're standing firm in our faith. And we talked last word about, last week, I mean, a couple weeks ago about the word faith. The word faith is to, means to be persuaded. That's what the Greek word says. The first definition is persuasion. It means to be convicted of the truth of God's word. And it means to be convicted of the truthfulness of God and then to be constant in that profession. I love that. That's an awesome definition of faith. To me, I can, get my, I can get my mind around that. I can get a hold of that. So basically, what he's saying is to be solid in your persuasion. So when the enemy's coming against you, stand your ground and be solid in your persuasion. Be constant in your profession of God's truth. So two weeks ago, we looked at the two parallel passages, a historical account of King Hezekiah 700 years ago. He was one of the good kings of um, Israel and Judah. He was one of the kings that um, the Bible said he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And so just to remind us of the context of what was happening, King Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria, was coming against Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is the city where Hezekiah was reigning, King Hezekiah, okay? And King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, had been attacking all these people around him and just totally annihilating people. And so this was a really serious threat. And um, so what we, what, what we did last week is we looked at these threats, which we identified as roars of the enemy, okay? We looked at these threats and we compared them to how the enemy today, the enemy is the same. The devil comes against us in the very same ways that he did against King Hezekiah, manipulating us, trying to put us in fear, um, bringing bad reports against us. And so just like, so King Sennacherib, this king of Assyria, he was planning to totally annihilate Jerusalem. I mean, we got to understand how serious this threat really was. And he was not only going to, well, annihilate them if they didn't, uh, if they didn't surrender to him. And then he was going to take them off captive, okay, to Assyria. So that was the threat that was against them. And so <clears throat> last week we identified 10 roars of the enemy against us or 10 of his threats against us. So just quickly, um, by way of review, I'm going to just go through those. They should be up on the screen. Um, he intimidates us and tries to get us into fear. He challenges our confidence and our trust in God. He tells us that our words are empty and powerless. He challenges our dependence on God. He tries to get us to take up offenses against God and others. He, and he accuses God of actually causing or commanding whatever our troubles are. He twists God's word. He tells us not to listen or pay any attention to God's word. He tries to tear down our confidence to proclaim God's word in faith. And he compares our bad circumstances to the bad things that have happened to others that are in our same situation, assuring us that we're not going to be delivered either. Okay? So those are some of the threats and the roars of the enemy. And so how do we respond to these? We looked at six of them last week. Um, we need to be more persuaded of God's word his truth, than the lies of the enemy. We need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we've got. That's our, that's our offensive weapon. We need to pray in the Spirit. 
We need to proclaim God's word in the face of the enemy's lies. We need to approach the Lord in humility, acknowledging our own inability, and we need to ask for ministry from those who know the Lord and who are in faith, who are persuaded of God's word, right? So today we're going to look at two more threats or roars and 11 more responses to these threats of the enemy and the bad reports he brings against us. So we're going to pick up um, in the story of King Hezekiah um, where we left off. So he had been given a bad report that King Sennacherib had sent his messengers to King Hezekiah and had told him um, basically what, yeah, that he was going to attack Jerusalem. And so what did King Hezekiah do? Well, it says that, well, he humbled himself before the Lord, and then he sent some of his leaders to get a word from the Lord from the prophet Isaiah. And let's look at what Isaiah told him in 2 Kings 19, 6 and 7. Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. I just want to kind of let that sink in because you know what? That's what the Lord is speaking to us. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Have you received a bad report about your health, your finances, a relationship? Whatever it might be, do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words, and so this is what Isaiah said, those words which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. So that's how God identified those words that were those, that bad report. He said, that's a blaspheming against me. So let's respond by not being afraid to what we have heard. And then Isaiah went on to say, listen, I'm going to put such a spirit in him, talking about the king of Assyria, that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. So what actually happened to Sennacherib? Let's look at verse 8 and 9. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachis, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib, that's the enemy king, received a report that Terhaka, the Cushite king of Egypt, was marching out against him. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. So, okay, the king of Assyria is going to be defeated, but he's not defeated yet. All right, so he's experiencing, he's beginning to experience some defeat. But what does he do? He again sends messengers back to King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. And isn't that just what the devil does? We just start to get some victory. We start to see the enemy maybe withdrawing and another bad report can come, right? And so that's another roar of the enemy or one of his tactics. He repeats his threats over and over again. Or you've gotten a bad report. You've gotten a bad medical report or something. How the... You, you probably can write, the devil just tries you to get you to roll those words over and over and over again in your mind and meditate on them. And so he wants us to meditate on his bad report instead of on the word of God, which is the good report, right? Okay, so what did these enemy messengers have to say the second time around? 
9 and 10. So he again sent messengers to, king, to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. So he's accusing God of deceiving his people. He's calling God a liar. And the enemy does the very same thing to us. He tries to tell us, you can't trust God's word. And he tries to get us to doubt the good report of what God's word says. Sometimes when we hear something, it's so overwhelming. A bad report It's just so hard not to roll it over and over again in our mind. Um, But we've got to get God's report in our mind instead and meditate on that. So... Now let's look at 2 Kings 19.11. I like the word... Well, actually, I don't like this word used in this context. (laughs) I like it when the Lord's saying it, not when the enemy's saying it. He says, Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely, and will you be delivered? So he's reminding... He's reminding the people of Jerusalem and and King Hezekiah, he's reminding them of the things that have happened to the other countries. And the devil does that to us. He brings to our attention people that have been in our same circumstance if we've gotten a bad report. And he tries to get us to meditate on, you know, maybe we go on the internet and see, you know, what happened to other people that had this condition or whatever. And... We see those things, and the enemy uses that to try to get us in a place of defeat where we feel like there's no, there's no hope for us. And that the devil will, he wants to assure us that there's no hope for us. So that's another war. The enemy tries to get us to compare our bad circumstances to the bad things that have happened to others who have been in the same situation, situation assuring us that we will not be delivered either. So... So this second threat, okay, basically the king of Assyria has come and said the same thing. You know, he's going to come, he's going to attack him, he's going to take him into captivity, he's got this huge army. And so how did Hezekiah respond to these threats and accusations of the enemy? Verse 14 and 15. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Okay, so God isn't asking us to ignore you know, these threats that are coming against us. He didn't ignore it, and he didn't deny that the threat was really there, okay? He read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord, and what did he do? He spread it out before the Lord. He said, God, this is what they're threatening me. This is what they're threatening us with. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. The threat of the enemy in this case was, was really terrifying to the people of Israel because, I mean, the people of Judah, because King Sennacherib had a huge army. I mean, he had totally wiped out all these other countries. And so their hopes of survival were really, really bleak. They were very bleak. And so I think this is a, a good instruction to us. Even when we get a report that is very, very bleak, a very bad one, that looks like it has very bad outcomes and very little hope of survival, what should we do? Let's do what King Hezekiah did. 
he spread the threats of the enemy out before the Lord, and he prayed. In 2 Chronicles 32.20, it says, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. So find someone, this is another way we can respond, find someone who's also persuaded in God's word to pray together, to agree with you together in prayer. Okay, back to Hezekiah's prayer. So he's continuing to pray as he's spreading out um, this report before the Lord. He says, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. So his first response as he's praying is he's worshiping. And something happens when you worship. It invites the very presence of the kingdom of God. Um, I was just reminded this morning about King Jehoshaphat, another of the good kings um, back in the, in the time of Israel and Judah. And God instructed him, when he had an enemy force coming against him, to put the worshipers right out in the front. That was the battle strategy. The people worshiping, singing, playing instruments, and worshiping the Lord. And you know what happened? God totally annihilated the enemy forces. And so there is something really, really powerful. When we get a bad report, it's like, oh, Lord Jesus, we worship you. You are God of all the earth. You are, and acknowledging him, just acknowledging his greatness, what it does is it reminds our own heart that God is so much more powerful than the enemy. He made heaven and earth. Certainly he can deal with my financial crisis. Certainly he can deal with, you know, the relationship issues or any health thing that's coming against me. He's the one that made heaven and earth. <clears throat> okay, he continued to pray. Verse 16 to 18. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, so he's acknowledging, yep, it's true, this is a bad report. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. So Hezekiah didn't deny the threats or ignore them, but he puts them in their place. They are insults to the living God. And then in verses 22, 23, 28, God is calling out the enemy. And in verse 20, it says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And so here's some of the things he said about the enemy. He said, You have insulted and blasphemed the Holy One of Israel. You have raised your voice against the Holy One of Israel. You have lifted your eyes in pride against the Holy One of Israel. You have heaped insults on the Lord. You rage against me, and your insolence has reached my ears. So that's what God had to say to the enemy. Okay, back to Hezekiah's prayer. He said, Now, Lord, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand. And I love the reason he gives. He said, Deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are. O Lord, our God. Sounds a little like the Great Commission, huh? So, another way to respond is to ask for God's answer 
so that God may be known and glorified in all the earth. Jesus said in John 14, 13, he said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Isn't that where everything is headed to bring glory? To bring glory to our God, right? It's to make him known, to make him known in the earth and to bring glory to his name that all the kingdoms of earth may know that he alone is God. Habakkuk 2.14 says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This may seem like a bit of a tangent, but I can't help bringing this up. So this is, this is the Great Commission. So it's a part of our response uh, to the enemy's report is to believe the report of the Lord and ask for God to intervene. Because what's going to happen then? we are going to be like a demonstration plot to the nations where God is going to demonstrate through our lives. It's like we're this little garden that all the earth can look in and see. In fact, there's even some scriptures about that in Ezekiel 5.5 5 and Deuteronomy 4, 5 and 8, which I'm not going to address, but you can ask me for those scriptures later. It's, it's really a cool portion that just talks about how God put Israel right in the center of the nations so all the nations could see that his laws were good, that his ways were good. So God is putting us right in the middle of the nations so that he can demonstrate his goodness and he can demonstrate his kingdom to the nations of the world so that he can be glorified in all the earth by every people, by every nation, by every tongue so that he can receive the glory that's due his name. Thank you, Lord. So, Let's wrap up this account of what happened to King Hezekiah. The Lord declares to his people in 2 Kings 19, 32 to 34, he declares what's going to happen. He gives them the good report. They've had the bad report. He gives them the good report. He says, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. He will not come before it. Oh, I already read that. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it. Thank you, Lord, for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. So <laughs> we need to come back at the enemy with what the Lord says, right? This is what the Lord says. I like to be able to say that. Did you know there's just something powerful about saying, this is what the Lord says concerning my situation. And so here's what happened to Sennacherib and his army. They were totally defeated by God's supernatural in intervention. We'll look at 2 Chronicles 32, 20 to 23. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and officers in the camp of the Syrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for, king, for Hezekiah, king of Judah. 
From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. See how God was using them as a demonstration plot at that point in history where they were, it was at a time they were obeying the Lord and following the Lord. Okay, let's move to the New Testament as we wrap up here. I want to look at a passage in Luke 8, and I think there's a lot of pair of parallels here. There was a man named Jairus who had come to Jesus, and he had come to Jesus asking him, to heal his little girl who was really, really sick. And so Jesus was on his way to Jairus's home, and he, on the way, a messenger came with a very, very bad report. Okay, so here's the account. While Jesus was still speaking, someone from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, um, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, so Jesus heard it. He heard that report. He heard the bad report. Oh my, and listen what he said immediately. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. It sounds a whole lot like what Isaiah said to King Hezekiah. Remember what he said? He said, do not be afraid of what you have heard. And basically, that's what Jesus just told Jairus, he said, don't be afraid of what you've just heard. Immediately after this man received a bad report, what was the very first thing Jesus told him? The very first thing, don't be afraid. And then he told him to just believe. And that word believe um, in Greek means to have faith. And the root of that is to be persuaded. It's that same word that we were looking at earlier. It's to be persuaded. So these are keys to responding to a bad report. Don't be afraid. And number two, let your heart be persuaded by God's promises. So I have two more scriptures I want to look at as we answer that question of what do we do when we get a bad report from the enemy. Ephesians 6, 10 to 14 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, against his threats, against his bad reports. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that's when you get a bad report, isn't it? That's when you get a threatening report from the enemy. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And that word, stand your ground, is the same word as resist in the scripture I used um, right in the beginning about Resist the devil, standing firm in your faith when he comes against you. Isn't that interesting? It's the very same word. So um, he says, stand your ground. In other words, stand, stand against or opposed to. Um, stand face to face against your adversary, standing your ground. Stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. And then Ephesians 6.16, 6, above all, Take the shield of faith, and that's the word persuasion, okay? Be persuaded of what God's word says. Take the shield of faith which with, with which you will be able to quench 
all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So here we are, standing behind that shield of faith. Our persuasion in the word of God, and that is going to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. 2 Corinthians 10.4, this is the last scripture I have to share. Oh, we have some good weapons. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, listen what our weapons have the power to do. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we need to fight with the weapons of God. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us identify the thoughts that originate from the enemy. So does this thought contradict God's word? Does this thought argue against God's word? Does this thought set itself up against the knowledge of God? So you can think about that as you evaluate any bad report you get as well. So we need to bring our thoughts into alignment with God's truth. That's how we need to respond. So in conclusion, when we get a bad report, don't be afraid. Don't meditate on the enemy's report. Instead, spread it out before the Lord, just like King Hezekiah did. Get God's report on your situation from his word. What does the word have to say about it? Let his word saturate your mind, your whole being. Every time the enemy brings the worrying thoughts from the pit of hell to try to intimidate you and to get you into fear or to torment you, hold on to God's word and don't let it go. Meditate on it day and night. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord. Father, I want to pray for every person here, including myself. Lord, and all of our families, Lord, Father. Lord, I ask, I pray for anyone who has, um, who's facing a bad report even right now, Lord God. Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus that fear would be totally um, eradicated. Lord, that we would not fear, Lord, and that you would help us to find the answer in your word and that we would hold on to it with all of our heart, Lord, and we would be like that picture you gave in Ephesians, Lord, of standing behind that shield of faith. Totally persuaded, Lord God, that your word is true and that we would stand our ground, Lord. So, Father, I ask that you would just put that fortitude in us this day, Lord, that we would stand our ground, Lord. Father, that we would not um, fall for the lies of the enemy, Lord God, that when he comes against us with all of his threats and intimidation, Lord, that we would stand up, Lord, persuaded of your word, Lord. God, I just thank you that you are the king and the conqueror, Lord, that you are Lord of all the earth, Lord. We glorify your name. Jesus, we ask that your name would be glorified in all the earth and that you would use us as your demonstration plot, Lord, to the nations, that they would see your kingdom and they'd be attracted to your goodness and love and that they would desire to give glory to your name in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vicki, the Lord gave you clear insight there into those scriptures and the application there. Mm-hmm. 
for us Thank of, you, Lord. Uh, discerning the enemy and his roars, but then how to respond. And mm -hmm. that, just thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing Amen. that with us. Thank you, Lord. So good. So Amen. Good. It's because it's it, personal to me. I need it. <laughs> we could, yeah, we can tell. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's something Amen. that's from there, not just... And Anthony, you did a great job again <laughs> keeping up there. And I, I notice when I'm sitting out here seeing it, how much it helps me to have it up there on the screen. And also, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I'll mention it again, that those same things, that's true every week. We put what's up on the screen on our Facebook page so that you can get it there and you can print it off of there probably. Um, but anyway, I want you to know that because we want to get the word into us and then walk it out, you know, live it. So, also remember there is a meal, fellowship meal today. And uh, well, that's what we'll do is fellowship as we partake together there. And uh, if you have a prayer need, if you would like to have prayer, I think I'll ask Vicki and Adam to come up here again this Sunday if you would to pray with folks and there'll be other leaders here too to pray with you so please come forward if you would like someone to join with you like Hezekiah asked Isaiah to right so amen God's blessings on you all <laughs>